when you lead the service, one of the things you get to do is introduce the guest pastor. And uh, I was a senior here when I, uh, we were in the old church, and I broke my arm trying to dunk a basketball off a chair. Um, my dad wasn't too happy, and neither was our guest pastor, guest preacher today, who happened to be a homeschool teacher of mine. When I walked into class, he not only pointed out that I broke my arm being foolish, but I also broke a church chair. Um, our guest preacher today is John Niederhaus. He was senior pastor here for close to 35 years. Welcome back, sir. We'll see if they have the, uh, is the microphone on? Can you hear me well? All right, they said they can hear me. I got it, I got it on. Thank you, Anthony. I can go sit down, right? Yeah, you can go sit down. In fact, Tony, would you sit down, please? Well, hallelujah, it's good to be here. It's scary, you know, people have expectations and things like that, and you have to try and fulfill those, but I don't know that I can do that. But I do feel that the Lord has given me a good text for us for Christmas, and <clears throat> you're not going to believe it. I didn't believe it at first, but it's my job to convince you that's the case. Now, you notice that Dorothy must have had some kind of spasms when she wrote the bulletin. Did you notice that? Look at that. What's going on? I don't know. Turn this one off. Okay, there. I think that was the problem. Look. <laughs> what is it? Is it that? My glasses? Well, then I can't read. What are you going to do? I don't have it memorized. Look what she did with this. It's got S-E. Then some other stuff. This is called <coughs> demonic interference. Timothy, what's wrong? Flip mine. All right, I'm off. Is it because of this stuff? All right. This will work well. I have to stand still. But I can use my glasses. So Dorothy got all, she had spasmatics in SE, Genesis 38, SV. You know what SV stands for? Selected verses. Selected by whom? Selected by me. Then we have uh, RM. And then Ruth 4. Again, selected verses. And then we have ON. Now what is this? S-E-R-M-O. Sermon. That's what it is. It's Sermon. Now, I knew that today we had a lot going on, and we have a, a communion service following this, and so I only have a little bit of time. So this is meant to be more of a Bible study, just a quick walkthrough of some important verses of the Scripture, and I think it's a really wonderful Christmas text. So bow with me, let's pray, and ask the Lord to help us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Almighty God, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we thank you for your love for us, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your uprightness, your steadfast love that endures forever. <clears throat> we pray, Lord God, you'll be with us now in these few moments while we unfold your word. We read it and try to understand it. And uh, we thank you for it. We ask your blessing here in Jesus' name. Amen. So you all turn to Genesis 38 with me. And the selected verses, we're going to begin at verse 6. Now this is about Judah. Judah was one of the sons of Jacob, one of the 12 sons of him. A tribe's going to be named after him. He's a, 
He's a patriarch. Now Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord took his life. It's a great Christmas verse, isn't it? It is a great Christmas verse. Reminds us of God's judgment. You know, the wicked people don't get away with it. Hamas will not stand before the Lord. He goes on. Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and perform your duty as a brother-in-law to her and raise up offspring for your brother. That's the Levite marriage which they used to practice in the Old Testament. So that, that's what that's talking about. <clears throat> and Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So it came about that when he went into his brother's wife, he wasted his seed on the ground in order not to give offspring to his brother. But what he did was displeasing in the sight of the Lord, so he took his life also. Whew. Whew. That ought to excite a little bit of the fear of the Lord among us, right? You don't want to mess around with God the wrong way. So then Judah said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, remain a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought, I'm afraid that he too may die like his brothers. So Tamar went and lived in her father's house. So here's the setting. Tamar, a widow, uh, has this younger brother-in-law who, when he gets of age, she's going to be given to him as his wife, according to what Judah has said. But Judah will not fulfill that. He doesn't want to do that. He has uh, his own, he said, he too might die. I've had two sons who were married to her, and they both got killed. Now, he thought the reason was Tamar. <laughs> the reason wasn't Tamar at all, was it? The reason was in them. So he's, he's missing the point. So let's go on and read some more. Now, after a considerable time, Shua's daughter, that is the wife of Judah, she died. And when the time of mourning was ended, Judah went up to his sheep shearers at Timnah, he and his friend Hira, the Adolamite, and was told to Tamar, behold, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So now a considerable time has elapsed. Her mother-in-law has died. Her father-in-law is a widower. And he's going to go up and get a sheep shear up a little far away, not far away, but a little ways away. So what does she do? Verse 14. So she removed her widow's garments and covered herself with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in the gateway of Enam, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that Sheila had grown up and she had not been given to him as a wife. Judah's not doing what he's supposed to do. He's backing out on his promise. She has no hope. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot, for she had covered her face. So he turned aside to her by the road and said, Here now, let me come into you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What will you give me that you may come into me? He said, Therefore, I will send you a kid from the flock. She said, Moreover, will you give a pledge until you send it? And he said, What pledge shall I give you? And she said, Your seal and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. So he gave them to her, and he went into her. So she gets a pledge. He's going to go and 
was done and get a kid and bring it back to her as payment. Now, in that moment, between the time when he went in, the time that he went out and went to get the kid, the rest of the verse says, and she conceived by him. She got pregnant. So she arose. Now, she doesn't know she's, she's pregnant. Yet. She arose and departed, removed her veil, and put on widow's garments. So she's no longer there. Now, it's interesting what Judah does. Listen to this. When Judah sent the kid by his friend, the Adolamite, to receive the pledge from the woman's hand, he did not find her. And he asked the men of her, <clears throat> of her place, saying, Where is the temple prostitute who was by the road at Enam? But they said, there has been no temple prostitute here. So he returned to Judah and said, I did not find her. And furthermore, the men of the place said, there has been no temple prostitute here. Then Judah said, let her keep them, lest we become a laughingstock. After all, I sent this kid, but you did not find her. So he's trying to cover it up, right? And here we are thousands of years later reading about it. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Here we are thousands of years later reading about it. Seeing what he's done. So he thinks, well, that's the end of it. No more. Going to happen here. Well, let's read. Verse 24. Now it was about three months later that Judah was informed, your daughter-in-law Tamar has played the harlot, and behold, she is also with child by harlotry. She's pregnant. It becomes known. They tell him about it. And they know that she has no husband, so it has to be some kind of harlotry. Well, he's an upstanding patriarch of Israel. Away with harlotry, right? Here's what he says. Then Judah said, bring her out and let her be burned. Whew. It was while she was being brought out that she sent to her father-in-law, saying, I am with child by the man to whom these things belong. And she said, please examine and see whose signet ring and cords and staff are these. So it comes right back to him. And Judah recognized them and said, she is more righteous than I, inasmuch as I did not give her to my son Sheila, and he did not have relations with her again. So he confesses his sin. She's more righteous than I. And uh, it's a wonderful thing when you're brought face to face with your sin, and you can confess it and acknowledge it. And to some degree, that's what Christmas is about. We're confessing we need a Savior. Without this dark background, the glory of Christmas does not shine. Don't you have things in your life that you don't want anyone to know about? Things that you've done, things that you've said, things you've left undone that you may not have even told your spouse. You feel the weight of that. Well, you know, there's one who does know. That's God. You can't hide it from him. What's he going to do? Christmas. That's what Christmas is about. Let me tell you something that I did. How much time I got? 
I was about 19 years old. I had two younger brothers. They were 10 and 12 years younger than me. And I, it was in a late afternoon, and I was sitting in the front room reading. I'd done, I was in a bad mood. And my brother, my oldest younger brother, was somewhere there and sitting in a chair, and, and Mom called him to come and set the table. And he didn't do it. He called her again, come set the table. He didn't do it. It angered me. And I got up, and I picked him up by the hair. Literally picked him up by the hair and said, go set the table. Now, I was his big brother. You know, I'm, I'm his big brother. And I picked him up by the hair. It hurt. It said, go set the table. Later, my mom came and said, Johnny boy, go out in the garage and listen to your brother. So I went out to the garage, and he was hidden away, sobbing. I can bring up and tell the story. I didn't do anything then. But it pierced me what I had done my little brother. That's not a good thing. I'm ashamed to say I did that. It embarrasses me yet. I wish I didn't have to tell you that I had done that. You know, one of the first things I did after I was converted, you have to get all this stuff out and God's forgive you, but I went back to my little brother and I said, you know that time when I picked you up by the hair and told you to go sit at the table? I apologize. I ask your forgiveness. I was wrong. He said he didn't remember it. <laughs> well, tough. I remember it. It's on my heart. It's on my life. It's bad. He said, of course I forgive you. An interesting corollary. Some years later, maybe 20 years later, maybe more than that, 25 years later, uh, we were still, I, I was out visiting in Indiana, and we pumped out the pond of the lake, and uh, trying to get rid of all the catfish in there. And uh, he didn't like it. He came up and he hollered at me, just rah, 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 and read me the riot act when my cousins was there. And it was, it was, he was bad. It stormed off. Well, God got to work in my brother's life some years later. And he came to me. In fact, it was at one of the, which, I forget which funeral, was it my mom's funeral? I forget which funeral it was. He came to me there and he said, giant boy, I was really wrong and bad when I hollered at you and said those things when we had drained the pond. I want you to forgive me. I said, it's forgiven. I had no problem at all. He went and talked to my cousin who'd been with me and asked him the same thing. And, that, and I, I didn't hold it against him, but it was on his heart. And he had to get rid of it. And so part of the great Christmas message is we all have hidden things we hope no one else ever finds out about. And I have other things that no one knows about. And it's not funny. It's wicked. It's terrible. And until those things are taken care of, they're a burden that weighs you down, strings in all sorts of ways. And Christmas is to come and say, I know that. I'm sending something for that. You don't have to bear that anymore. Here it comes. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to read some more verses here from Genesis chapter 38. Uh, and it came about at the time she was giving birth, Tamar, that behold, there were twins in her womb. 
Moreover, it took place when she, while she was giving birth. One put out a hand, and the midwife took a tied a scarlet thread on his hand and said, saying, This one came out first. But it came about, as he drew back his hand, that, behold, his brother came out. Then she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. So he was named Perez. Perez means a breach. And afterward, his brother came out, who had the scarlet thread. His name was Zerah. So she has twins. They're named Perez and Zerah. Perez was going to be second, but he burst forth. He's first. So this is the first part of the sermon, all right? That's where Dorothy had, she had another spasmatic episode, and so we're going to go to Ruth chapter 4. You know, this is dangerous because I have no notes up here. So, so we could go on for a while. I'm trying to control myself. You remember the story of Ruth, the Moabitess? Marries a guy from Bethlehem down in Moab, and they all die, and she goes back with her mother-in-law, Naomi, and while she's there, Boaz befriends her and eventually marries her. And the people ask a blessing on Boaz and Ruth, chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. And all the people who were in the court and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home this is to Boaz, like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built the house of Israel, and may you achieve wealth in Ephrathah and become famous in Bethlehem. Moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah through the offspring, which the Lord shall give you by this young woman. And they mention specifically Perez. May you become like his household. He did well. This this thing that, that was an aberration, was a sin. What could be done with this? God made it good. God made it good. He got rid of the sin. I mean, the sin had to be atoned for, but God made it work for good. Now, let's read down to the, uh, uh, verse 18. Now, these are the generations of Perez. To Perez was born Hezron. To Hezron was born Ram. And to Ram, Amenadab. And to Amenadab was born Nashon, and Nashon Solomon, and to Solomon was born Boaz, and to Boaz, Obed, and Obed was born Jesse, and to Jesse, David. Lo and behold. Lo and behold. This thing we read about in Genesis chapter 38 becomes part and parcel of the line of David, directly connected. Now I have another confession to make. I've taught confirmation for over 40 years. And I never, never had a confirmation class read Genesis 38. Anna, you didn't read it. I, we go 37 and 39 through 50. I skipped it because I was embarrassed about it. What I'm going to say. This year, the confirmation class read it. How can I leave something out that God put in? Right. Right. And I, when I did it, I said, what are we going to do? What are we, how are we going to explain all this? Because the kids will raise questions. If the kids don't raise questions, Larissa will. Larissa Culp, you know. So, <laughs> so, so, so what am I going to do? Hallelujah. One morning, 5.30, I'm walking Bruno, our dog. Big Bruno, you know, big old Yorkshire Terrier. Just massive. Weighs probably 9 or 10 pounds. And the Lord told me, here's what this is. This is a Christmas story. About Redemption about honesty, about what God can do with our sin. 
And not just the sins that people know about, but the sins that we don't want anyone to know about, but that we've done. God knows it, and God can take care of it. Oh, it makes you want to weep. Now, Dorothy had another spasmodic attack, so we turn to Matthew 1. <laughs> and the verses are wrong. It's verses 1 through 6a. Matthew 1. Well, I'm about two minutes over my time, but we'll push on. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So this is about Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's about Jesus. To Abraham was born Isaac, and to Isaac, Jacob, and to Jacob, Judah and his brothers. Judah and his brothers. And to Judah was born Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and to Perez was born Hezron, and to Hezron, Ram, and to Ram was born Amminadab, and to Amminadab, Nashon, and to Nashon, Solomon, and to Solomon was born Boaz by Rahab, a prostitute, and to Boaz was born Obed by Ruth, a Moabitess, and to Obed, Jesse, and to Jesse was born David, the king. Look at that. All those names in there of people who had sketchy backgrounds at best. And they're in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. God made all those things that look so wicked, so bad, so, and they were, they were wicked, there's no question about that, but God made them good. Not by looking over them, but by saying, that's wicked, it needs forgiveness, you need restoration. And that's what God does to us. He doesn't just cover over our sin, he wipes it away, restores our heart, and we live differently. Isn't that great? Hallelujah. That's right. And he, he puts it right here where his bold is in your face in the genealogy. Those women aren't named in genealogies, you know, in, in, among Jews. There's Tamar, there's Rahab, there's going to be Bathsheba, who am I forgetting? Ruth. All had sketchy backgrounds. Now, let's turn to Luke chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 8. And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out of the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now hold on. The glory, the glory of the Lord shone around them. What's the glory? What, what does glory mean? Remember when I preached through Exodus? What does glory mean? It means the character of God. It shone all around them. Glory, glory, glory. How were they? they were scared to death. They were sorely afraid. They were terribly frightened. Because they saw holy God, the glory of God, and they knew who they were. So that's the deep, dark background to the Christmas story. Let's go on, though. And they were terribly frightened, and the angel said to them, do not be afraid. By the way, what's the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord. You know what our land needs? You know, it needs the fear of God. We don't have the, we've lost the fear of God. We need that. We need a fear of God to strike our hearts home, to convict us. And he said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. The word people there is laos. Our word laity comes from that. That is, I'm clergy, your laity means all the people, not just some selected 
The good news is going to be all out there. Isn't that wonderful? Not just the Jews, but Gentiles as well. For all good news. For all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Now this next part's where we want to focus. And because there's just this one angel. There's just this one angel there. I don't know, he's a big hawking guy. He's just one angel. And suddenly, there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying what? Glory to God. Thank you. He brought me some Sambuca. I appreciate that. Sambuca will clear your throat every time. <clears throat> and Aaron knows that. Uh, they're saying, glory to God. Glory to God. For his truth, for his justice, and for his mercy, and for his compassion. And we sang it, Justin, the, the glory. We're going to sing it again. It's our closing hymn. And we join the angel chorus. And we know the deep, dark background in our own lives. And we're going to say, Gloria. Right? Because glory to God. He's forgiven us. He knows our sin. He knows what we've done. You're an adulterer. You're a thief. You're a liar. You're a greedy person. You're prideful. You're arrogant. He knows it. He says, I have Help and hope for you. Isn't that good? You know, glory. Glory be to God. Not, not some kind of, of uh, thing that, that denies the truth. It tells the truth and deals with it. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, can be upon us as we acknowledge his glory. He shows us who we are, what we've done, and who he is, and what he's done. So what happened there on that outside Bethlehem, those, those shepherd fields? No, 1 Peter 1.12 tells us things that angels long to look into. Everyone wonder, how is God going to deal with earth? How is he going to deal with mankind? All the things they've done. How, there's been a promise, but, but how will it happen? And then they see this babe. This babe is the one through whom salvation shall come fully, freely, wonderfully. Amen. Well, a little Bible study. Let's stand and we'll say our, the Apostles' Creed together, please. Let us say what we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. 
The third day he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Spirit, Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Jeremy, I'm going to try and use my, my uh, own microphone here for the communion service. You got me on? You do. These things happen. Still got me on? Is it working? All right. You can hear me? Here we are gathered around the Lord's table. Who are we that are gathered here? We're people in need of a Savior. It's good to be here. Because here we have the, the sign that God has given us to participate in by which we acknowledge our sin and look to Him for redemption. That's what this is about. It's not about how good we are, it's about how great He is, how wonderful, loving, and caring to give us His own Son. So we gather around the table, share the Lord's Supper, and give thanks for His goodness. Now, <clears throat> the way we do the Lord's Supper here is uh, first the elders will come and, and uh, serve us, but when they serve the bread, you may take that and eat it at your leisure. Uh, God comes to us personally and calls us. But when the cup is sitting around, we ask you to hold that to wait until all have been served, and then we'll take the cup together as a sign of our unity in Christ. If you're, you know, what are our qualifications? Well, one, you have to be a confessed faith in Christ, been baptized in the Christian faith, whether as an infant or as an adult, and then can you say with, without hesitation, the words of the Apostles' Creed say, I believe that. If you can say the words of the Apostles' Creed and say, I believe that, fine. What about ethics? The Ten Commandments are right there. If uh, <clears throat> you are not deliberately, ongoingly violating one of the Ten Commandments, participate. Participate. So let me uncover the... Hallelujah. Let us pray. Hallelujah. Almighty God, we come to you today. Thank you for your saving love in Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, we thank you that you've made all things. Heavenly Father, that you've made all things from nothing. You spoke and the worlds came into being. You spoke and each one of us came into being. A point where you said, let this one be born. 
And already before anything was done, you knew who we are and what we would do. And we have, we don't understand that, we don't pretend we do, but Lord, uh, we give thanks to you for it. Thank you, Lord Jesus, particularly for coming alongside us, speaking to us, just like you did to Peter, said before the day dawns, you're going to deny me three times, but nevertheless, when you've been resolved or um, made new, come back with your brothers, bring them with you. So Lord, you walk alongside us, you know what's going on, and you bring us to yourself and forgive our sin. And thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you use us, that you give us gifts, you bring forth fruit from our lives. <laughs> Whether there's been anger, you bring blessing. Whether there's been covetousness, you give giving, liberality. Whether there's been lust, you give real love. All kind of things. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the fruit you bring forth from our lives. We're amazed and we're very, very thankful. As we pray, we do pray for this world in which we live. And Lord, we pray that you would bring the fear of God back among the nations, and upon our nation in particular. That Lord, in your mercy, let us see our sin, let us see our wickedness, that we may repent. Give us the fear of God, which is a good thing. Our leaders and the people as well. We pray, Lord, particularly today for the country of India, where we've had people there for decades that we've supported. Yet there's still a place with more unreached people groups than anywhere in the world. We pray for Mr. Singh, who we're supporting this particular year. We pray, Lord God, for all those Bible men and women who are going out sharing the gospel there. Bless that land. Help them, we pray. We pray for Gaza. Horrible things have been done there. Wicked things. Oh, we need not enumerate them. Lord, we pray mercy for those who've been raped, beaten, all kind of things happen to them. Mercy and grace to them. And Lord, we pray for their, the perpetrators of this, that there be justice. And in the midst of that justice, Lord, if there's an opportunity to have be saved, that'd be wonderful. But Lord, may there be justice done. And Lord, we do remember uh, the church, the body of Christ. We pray for Mick and Kathy Sandra over in East Swatini. Thank you for them. Pray for that land for the deaf church. And that Lord, as we collect offerings for the hygiene help, that Lord, a simple little thing, we just want to raise $2,000 or more, as it were, to provide toothbrushes, <laughs> kits, things like that for kids who don't have the means to get that on their own to help them. So Lord, we pray for Mick and Kathy and their ministry there among the deaf school. Give them your grace and favor, we pray. Lord, we pray for the church. We pray for the Catholic church, the Roman Catholic church, that is to say, which has uh, a uh, pope that's doing bad. And we're glad to see that there are other bishops and cardinals standing up and saying, whoa, hold on. We read today, Lord, about the Ukrainian bishops saying no to his statement about gay marriage. We pray for the Catholic Church, a big bulwark on family matters for centuries. Lord, help them, we pray. Help 
Catholics in the pews who hear that and see this as a license to do whatever. No, no, no. Lord, help them, we pray. Raise up faithful teachers, pastors, people to share. And we pray for, particularly for our local church. We pray for St. Peter's Covenant Church over in Hilltown. Jim Fox has been there as the interim pastor. was pastor for many years there. Uh, he'll be done at the end of the year. Their new pastor, Pastor Andrew, is coming in. Pray your blessing that that would be a smooth transition, that you can and cause that pastor to be embraced in the community and in the church and have a wonderful ministry in that place. Lord, we pray for our own church here, for Emmanuel Lighty's church. We thank you, Lord, so much for your mercy to us. Oh, Lord, you've, you've, you've dealt with us much more kindly than we deserve. But, Lord, we still have prayers that we raise up to you. Uh, we thank you for the volunteers. We pray, for, Lord, for, for more volunteers, for people to be able to be engaged in, in doing things that will be helpful to them and to others. We pray, Lord, for the pulpit committee. They have people to interview. But, Lord, we don't know who you want to bring here, who you've designated for this place. We pray, Lord, that you'll bring that fellow forward <clears throat> in your time, in your way, and that may we receive it in a good way. We pray for people who are ill. Uh, I pray for Stan Radcliffe. Uh, pray, Lord, for Jackie Schaefer. Pray, Lord, for Frank, for people who are recuperating from issues. We pray for Janie Inyang, who has just an almost hopeless scenario before her where she has to go somewhere, but yet she can't even stand up yet or transition. So we pray wisdom for that. We pray for Donna Free as she recuperates. We pray for Pastor Dagle Bertle down in Columbia in the ICU. Oh, Lord, help him, we pray. We pray for a miracle in his life, a miracle of healing. We pray for his family, for Marley and the kids. Be with them and encourage and help them. Lord, we pay for people who are incarcerated in jails. Uh, a lot of good things going on in jails. Good ministry there. We pray you'll be with them and help them. We pray for men from our congregation that may be in jail. Help them, we pray. <clears throat> Encourage them and be with them and their families. Thank you, Lord, that you bring us to your throne to receive mercy, to help, and grace as well. Now, Lord, we ask that you would consecrate both us and these, your gifts of bread and wine, so that in this holy communion of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, we might be made one with him and he with us. And it remains our earnest prayer that we might be faithful members of his body until we feast with him in your heavenly kingdom. O oh God, you call us from death to life. And with the church through all ages, we thank you for your saving love in Jesus Christ, our Lord, the one who has made us his disciples, the one who has taught us to pray together, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.